So this is exciting for me because I've got my book, The Truth About College Admissions. This is by Brennan Bernard, and I want you to know it's B-A-R-N-A-R-D. Isn't that confusing, Brennan? Uh, not for me. That's <laughs> <laughs> your name, right? I mean, I, I do have two last names, so I get it. Right, because Brennan, because people want to call you, what do people want to call you? Uh, a, a lot of things, but when they're nice, they want to call me Bernard or Brennan or Brendan or, I mean, you name it. Yeah, I have to be careful because I want to respect you and say your name correctly. I want everybody to as well. Um, and then Rick Clark, it's like the easiest name. It's like, uh, there's, not, there's nothing confusing. But this book, this is a great book. So this is The Truth About College Admissions. And Rick's in his office right now at Georgia Tech. This is a crazy day. It's homecoming, right? Homecoming weekend, uh, which means a lot of our alumni boards are on campus. So I got a lot of numbers swimming in my head. So if I just start like throwing out numbers, don't worry about it. So it's intense. And it's also the end of October. So it's like, when is your when is your um, early action deadline at Tech? Yeah. We have two early action. We've got one just for Georgia students, which already passed. It was okay. October 16th. And then we have one for out-of-state students, which is coming up on November 1st, which means uh, November 1st will be a big day for students to apply. Right. So this office he's in is going to be just piled with mail because you have, <laughs> oh no, they don't actually, you don't actually get mail anymore, right? Very, very little mail. Yeah. Are you old enough to have like remembered when there was mail? Oh yeah. I definitely have some, uh, some paper cut scars to prove it. Right. Sure. Like there's that, there, that doesn't happen. And then Brennan, you are, you are. Brennan's an interesting, Brennan, you got a lot going on, okay? So, Brennan, where are you Where are you coming to us from today? I am at my home in New Hampshire where the leaves are changing and falling, and um, I, um, I I work remotely, so I, I work for Con Lab School out in Silicon Valley, which is a, it's a, a mastery-based in-person school founded by Sal Khan. Um, so I, I, I go out there from time to time, but today I'm here in my home in New Hampshire. So if, if people don't know Sal Khan, like, do you know Sal? Like, do you visit with him? Yeah. Like, do you have meals with him? Um, have we had a meal? I don't think we've had a meal, but yeah, I mean, we go on walk. Yeah, yeah, we talk. You've, you've had walks and snacks. <laughs> yeah. Like, for, like drinks. Meals. Right. I mean, yeah. You haven't had a lot of eating, but you're, you're very active. But, but Sal Khan uh, founded Khan Academy, and now there's the Khan Lab School. And Khan, for people who aren't familiar with this, you need to be familiar because it's really groundbreaking. It's revolutionary. It's like, you know, people get all excited about uh, Elon Musk, you know, like like I don't get as excited, you know, in terms of just change, the the rest of the package, you know, you can put somewhere else in innovation. So I shouldn't, I don't want to, I don't want to compare Sal Khan to Elon Musk at all because yeah. just philosophically, it seems like they're on different, different spectrums. Sorry, I went there. Even that, right? Brett, like, <laughs> right? Like, Tony, why would I even bring that? I'm talking in terms of like monumental, different ways of looking at of being a disruptor. Do you agree with that? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. His 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 kind of mission is a world class education for everyone everywhere, right? Everywhere, yeah. and it's and it's fascinating because so much of education is gatekeeping, and and so much of admissions is search selection and scarcity. And the scarcity part is what causes so much anxiety and so much stress. And when I think about Saul Khan and I think about Khan Academy, I think search selection, abundance, access, uh, education for all. Would you would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I and I just love it because also, Brennan, you've worked in independent schools for years. 
And also, uh, Brennan and Rick, they're, they're very knowledgeable. And I'm spending a couple minutes here talking about knowledgeable they are because there are a few people in this space who have the professional experience and the life experience. Because I know, Brennan, you also have, have children who have gone and through this. As, yep. You're as in it, Rick. man. Yeah, well, and Rick's, Rick's, Rick's kids aren't going through it, but he's got kids. You got younger kids, Rick, right? I do. I have a I have a freshman in high school and a seventh grader. Yeah. 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 So like so now the anxiety is starting to percolate. So now you can get them anxious, right? Like this is the freshman year, you start to get them worried about college and 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 in middle school, right? Absolutely not. Uh, not I, in I, my house. I, I don't we don't neither of us buy into the anxiety. I was gonna say we're on project get through seventh grade, get through ninth grade. We're not even dealing with college at this point. Right. Absolutely. I don't want to misrepresent you at all. I'm just, this is, I, I'm being sarcastic because this is what so many people deal with. Cause I did a program and we're kind of in the same situation. Rick and I, we don't know each other professionally that well. This is, it's our first time actually having a meaningful conversation, which is, I think it's been meaningful so far. Oh, no question. Right. We'll, we'll, let, you, we'll let you know in a couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the meaningful part. Right. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of setup, but I think the setup is so important because you know, you you have all different perspectives, as do I, because I have a senior this year. I got a sophomore, and I've got a, a fifth grader, and uh, you know, and I and I go to a lot of the same schools that that you visit. You guys do a lot of programs. The thing that's so cool about Brennan and Rick, and this is again, I want everyone to check out their information because you're going to find different interviews with them. This is a different kind. They do lots of interviews, lots of technical interviews, and I want you to listen to them because. You'll get a lot of technical information. I'll give you some of that, but I want you to understand more about, this is more about the emotion behind the college process because I think when it comes down to it, that's what this is about for, like that's the problem, right? The problem isn't college. The problem is the emotions behind all of this. Can can you speak to that? You know, I mean, I'll take a quick crack at it and say, you know, I would hope that instead of it being framed as a problem, it's an opportunity. It is, yes, it is emotional. It is about relationships, but it is really also an opportunity. Instead of, you know, as you said earlier, a focus on scarcity, one of the things that we focus a lot on is that's a false narrative. You know, the truth is that getting into college is is not only not that hard, it's going to get easier in the years ahead. There's more colleges admitting more students now than ever, and that percentage is going up in the United States. So I do think we have a bit of a mischaracterization of what the kind of landscape of higher ed looks like. And Brendan and I try to start there by saying, look, take a little of the pressure of your ability to go off. It's really more about understanding who you are, how you think, who you want to be around, and where's that going to then lead you. So yes, it's emotional, but it's it's discovery. So that's an opportunity. Yes, it's emotional, but it's also relational. So that's an opportunity. Yeah. And, and how do you have conversations as a family about, you know, however you define family? How do you have conversations about kind of hopes, expectation, fears, all those things? Like you said, it's emotional and it can be emotional, um, but um, uh, emotional can be a positive thing. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm right with you. I, I do a program called Happy, Healthy, Almost Stress-Free College Planning for Students and Parents. And the, the idea this should be exciting. This should be wonderful. This should be great. So, you know, we're all on board. The three of us are on board. And there's lots of other people who are on board. But I know that people listening to this, I get a lot of parents. I get a lot of students, too. 
um, you know, they, they hear what you're saying, but it doesn't register because they go to these schools and they're part of communities where it's super competitive. And just uh, last night, I was doing some research and, and read a story about a kid who had like a four, he had like a 4.5 weighted. He applied to 16 of 18 schools. He had um, like a 1560 SAT or something and got rejected from 16 of the 18 schools. And and he got a job at Google. Right. So he, he's not going to college right now. He's going to Google, which was right. right, which was a which was fascinating to know all these paths. I think a lot of times parents are the ones who are scared and, and are concerned. And I've I've talked to Denise Pope as well at Challenge Success because Denise really reframes how we look at this. But but like if you were to take a um a sledgehammer, uh a a figurative metaphorical sledgehammer and hit people over the head. Can you just take a moment to do that with me to help them to recognize that they're going to be okay and, and, and where they go is not as important as what happens when they're there. Can you speak to that? Can both of you do that, please? Yeah. Maybe I'll take a quick first crack at it um, by saying something I say a lot and I, I believe it because it speaks directly to what you're referring to. And that is, particularly parents of high school students should talk to fewer parents of other high school students about college admission and more parents of current college students and recent college grads, right? Because when you do that, what you hear them say time and time again is it worked out. Like we didn't, this isn't what we kind of had scripted oftentimes, couldn't have predicted the way this might have all, you know, ultimately resolved. But she's happy. She's got an internship. She's dating somebody we like. You know, you talk to these parents of recent college grads and they say, yeah, you know, we, we couldn't afford the, the place that they most wanted to go. But you know what? In the end, it really did sort of you know, work out. And I think that it's interesting as a parent myself, you know, that so often when our kids are really little, we know to talk to parents in the chapter ahead of us. But somehow we forget that when they're right around that high school, you know, bordering college age. And that just drives the madness, swirls the consternation. It's not helpful. Yeah. And, and like you, like you said, Harlan, I mean, I, I have a, a student, a son who's a second year in college and a, and a daughter who's a senior in high school. And, and both of them in their college searches have kind of said, you know, they've looked at a range of schools and they've kind of arrived at this area of like, I can go to any one of these schools and have a really great experience, right? And um, it, it's really, I mean, maybe it's just kind of ha having um, been around me for lo too long, but um, I, I think focusing on kind of what are the opportunities there, whether it's for study abroad or for internships or connection or, you know, what are, what are the ways that the experience there are going to light them up, right? And, and how... How are they going to be able to thrive in any one of these schools? And there, there's, no, there's no school that has the corner on that market. And by the way, there are a lot of super selective schools where there are the, the mental health uh, of students is just um, deteriorating fast. And, and so, you know, when we, when we think about kind of, I mean, you probably had this conversation with Denise, but, you know, when we think about uh, metrics for success, like what, what are you gunning for, right? Like what, what is the end goal and really defining that and, and working back from there. Yeah. That idea of students are working so hard to get into these super selective schools 
and they're training how to be overwhelmed, overtired, anxious, and not full of hope. You know, th this is kind of the practice to go to a place where they can be overwhelmed, anxious, and struggle emotionally and and, and with their well being. And I ask that question. It's like, what are what are you working towards? And and then, you know, that also brings me to both of you have so much, and, and me too. Like we have this experience of working with families who are so set on a on a particular path, and students. And the thing is that path, like at Tech, I was going through you know the admissions standards. It's tough to get in there, Rick. Like I mean. You reject a ton of amazing, incredible, wonderful people, right? Like you break hearts, man. Like you are the dream shatterer. I, I'm, I'm, I know you're also the dream maker, but yeah. um, you, you know that's just the reality of being in that position. It's not you. You don't do it. It's not a personal vendetta. It's that there are a certain number of spots, right? Hundred percent. I mean, people talk a lot about how confusing college admission is, and it's gray and it's not transparent. I, I actually find it quite simple. I mean, college admission. It comes down to two things, supply and demand, right? Number of uh, applications for the number of seats. And, and being now here at Georgia Tech for 20 years, I've seen that radically change. Five times more students applying for, you know, additional seats that we've added, but certainly not meeting that demand. And then institutional mission, you know, who are you? Well, first and foremost, we're a public school that serves the state of Georgia, which means you are fundamentally going to have less of a chance of getting in here if you're not from the state of Georgia. And we are unapologetic about it. That is who we are. That's that's our first, you know, obligation is to take care of our state. But it means, though, that it's not fair. We're not just going to line kids up numerically and make admission decisions. We're going to do what we were created to do and be who we we're created to be. So in that regard, yeah, like last year, you could look at it that way. We denied 84 percent of the students who applied. We also offered admission to over 8000 students. And I like to focus on those 8000. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't mean to. I'm being sometimes. I, I'm. I'm. Uh, you know. I use uh, superlatives. What's. What's the right? I don't even know the right word. You know. You're. You're not a dream crusher. I. <laughs> I feel bad because I was. I should never call you that, Rick. You're. Well, you're, you know. Listen, I've been called. I was called worse this morning, actually, already. <laughs> really? Was that at home? Was, was that at home? Your kids and family. Yeah, I know how that goes. Uh, you, know, so, you know, Harlan. Back to your. Back to your other point, just really quickly on the kind of the mental health piece. I mean, I. So I don't know if you know you saw, but um, Making Caring Common at Harvard Grad School of Education came out with a report um, earlier this week uh, about um, young adults. Um, you know, they've looked at teens, they've looked at parents, but they they did this survey of young adults, and 36% of young adults reported anxiety. And and the the key areas they identified were like uh, lack of meaning, purpose, and direction, um, financial worries and achievement pressure, relationship deficits. And some of these things, and when you think about those in the context, these so these are 18 to 25-year-olds. These are kids who are in college and just out of college. When you think about those things, um, I think we need to center on some of that. Like when, when students are looking at college, like where are they going to find a sense of purpose? Where are they going to find that meaning? Where are they going to find relationships? Where are they going to find um, someplace that doesn't just um, kind of perpetuate this achievement culture? Yeah, I mean... Um, Brennan and I have a slide that we use in some of the presentations for school communities and other organizations that just says, how is greater than where? And, you know, this idea of how you show up, are you, are you healthy? Are you ready to be proactive? Are you prepared? Uh, how you show up as a family to wherever it is, is far more important than, you know, a certain statue or a certain arch or a certain 
you know, bumper sticker, like that how piece and taking care of the health of how is huge. And I think that we've gotten way too focused on where. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's like the technical parts. People really get, they, they focus on that, the getting in the mission, the goal. And I like to rely on the data and, and Brendan, I didn't hear that recent data. So thanks for sharing that. And if you could send me, send me a, a link and we'll include it in the show notes. Um, and if you want to include that slide that you, you all share as well, because you know, the goal of these podcasts is to give people some real actionable information that they can rely on and reinforce this message that things are going to be okay. Because like, I totally agree. Things are going to be okay. Uh, when it comes to like my kid, my kid's a senior and the story of his college career is he's going to apply to some schools and he's going to get into some and he's not going to get into others. Then he's going to choose one and he'll go and he'll have, uh, some good experiences and some not so good experiences. And then he'll either decide to stay or he'll go somewhere else and he'll have better experiences and some not so good experiences. Then he's going to graduate and he's going to have an incredible life. Yep. But will, but will his, will his roommate be naked? That's the question. <laughs> That's a very good question, Brendan. We did not in this, in this, uh, this storytelling, I did not include any nudity. But that's a that's a very good question. And if my book's The Naked Roommate for anybody who doesn't understand Brennan's sense of humor, uh, because if, there's, if there's, a, there's no, a lot of people who don't understand my sense of humor. But thanks for uh, if, if there's no concept. Right. Yeah. So The but, Naked Roommate and 107 other issues you may run into in college. But basically, that book is just all what's really interesting is, you know, I, I come at college from a journalist point of view and also from just like a living humans experience. Like I started as just someone who went to college and it was just awful. And then I transferred. I didn't understand why it was so awful and hard. And then I realized it's awful and hard for lots of people. Then, like you just said, Rick, I talked to people who had been there and done it because we like to talk to people who are in the midst of the anxiety and the storm of emotions. But I talked to people who had been through it and figured out how to deal with it. And that's the Naked Roommate has the collection of stories. And then it corroborates with the data which reinforces that, oh, this stuff's actually true. And then we get to the beginning. And uh, I like the American, Holo American College Health Association, the ACHA, NCHA data. And I've been following that for years. And the spring data came out recently. It kind of sneaks out. And some of the things I found interesting, within the last 12 months, have you had problems or challenges with any of the following? And this is kind of like a summary of the data. And I'll just give you the totals. I'll run, I'll run down these and you'll just kind of, I'd love to get your feedback. So academics, 47.8% of students, they had challenges or problems. And I also want to point out the way they break this down is through cis men, cis women, and transgender nonconforming students, which I think is so important that there's this acknowledgement mm. that there are so many students who are realizing who they are or are coming to, to um, they're, they're becoming compatible with their light and, 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 and those things that are important to them. And especially our trans and non-binary, non-gender conforming students are the ones who are most at risk. And for a lot of parents who have strong ideas of, of how they feel about this, you know what? Tomorrow it could be your child. Today it could be your child. You may not even know. There are so many students. We see this. So many, right? You, you all see this, right? Yeah. Right. More and more are, are fighting the courage to speak. But anyway, I don't want to get sidetracked. Okay. Academics. 47.8% of students had problems or challenges. Career, 38%. Finances, 50.3%. Procrastination, 73.9%. Mm -hmm. 
faculty, having a problem with faculty, 13.3%. I'm surprised that's not higher because I get letters about professors who are horrible all the time, students who really struggle. Anyway, um, family, 38.2%. Intimate relationships, 38.6%. Roommate, housemate, 28.2%. Peers, 23.9%. Personal appearance, 53.3%. Personal appearance is the third highest here, or is the second highest behind um, procrastination. So it's people who don't feel good enough when they look in the mirror, mm. which I find fascinating. Um, health of someone close to them is 40.9%. So when a student gets to school and they're dealing with life, these are some of the things that are causing obstacles that keep them from persisting. And then we know through that data of a third of students are anxious and we know two thirds or more than half experience feeling hopeless. And in a school where you know people are high achievers, and I know, Brendan, this is where you've been been around most of your life, you know, we know so many of those students struggle. So going back to, we know there's a problem, and we know there's this issue in college. We know it affects happiness, it affects well-being, it affects retention, it affects persistence. But when it comes to, in high school, when it comes to earlier, if you have to be perfect to get into some of these schools, you know, a school where, where you're at, Rick, and, and Brennan, a school where you advise so many students, you know, they want to go to these schools where you have to be perfect to get in. So if you have to be perfect in high school and you don't have room to struggle, and then you get to college and you have to be perfect and don't have room to struggle, where does someone have room to struggle and how could they struggle in a way where they know they will still be successful and not ruin their life while fixing the mess along the way. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the million dollar question, right? And I mean, I, I I would challenge a little of that kind of idea of being perfect, right? Like like yeah, you don't ha you don't have to be perfect. I mean, colleges can fill their classes with perfect kids, um, and they don't. <laughs> and and also, I I would say that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where, that's where students and families need to kind of check themselves early with like, what, what, what are they chasing with that perfection? Right. Right. The thing going through my head is going through that, you know, enumerating those particular categories. It just sounds like life to me. Uh, is this really a problem? I mean, I, I, I struggle with affordability of things. I struggle with uh, the intellectual academic side of things. Like, I think that that's just life. We live in a broken world. Things aren't perfect. It's going to be a challenge to achieve, you know, academically, to have relationships, to be confident about who you are, how you look, and how other people perceive you. That is life. The most important thing, I think, if you're a parent listening is to know, and Brennan does a great job of this um, in in our in our presentations, and I've borrowed a lot of this. Like, for parents to be aware that these are the kind of things their kids are struggling with, whether they're telling them that or not, and how important it is as a parent to make sure that your kid knows that, as you said earlier about your son, I I support you no matter where you go. My our my love is not correlated to a bumper sticker. And then on the flip side, for colleges uh, that and we've had this in Georgia Tech over the years. Like, we enroll bright kids who are generally type A, who have big dreams and are going to try to do amazing things in life. That's going to bring its own stress and tension, regardless of anything else. 
because they are aspirational. Just as much as a kid who wants to play in the Premier League for soccer is going to be under pressure. That, that's just is what it is. We have to support them when they're here. And, and, and colleges are dumping millions of dollars into, into doing that, right? And so I think that's the big thing is we can't change the way the world is structured and the, way, the, the fact that all of us as humans have struggles and challenges. That's not actually a problem. It's about support. It's about, you know, coming around side at the high school level and at the college side. Yeah. And, well, being, I, and being comfortable with uncertainty. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, and, and I presented it this way because I was actually really curious just to see how you would respond to it because it's an imperfect world. And I love, Rick, you're mentioning the data sounds like life. I, I hadn't really thought of it like that's life. And then, the, but the challenge is so many students don't know how to deal with life as independent adults because, you know, my focus has been how do you deal with the social, the emotional, the physical, the financial so that you can complete and be accept, be your academic, but reach your academic potential. And those other areas in high school, it's only for the most part academics. So, you know, students really have to on their own do that other work. And then I have a proposal that maybe we can put out there. And maybe Saul would be interested in this as well. But I think at these super selective schools, they should save 5% of the class for students who are like 3.0 students, right? 3.0 students who have struggled, but have kicked ass emotionally, who have figured out how to develop the coping tools and those mechanisms and have had a trajectory of success so they can be some of the people to support the other students who don't know how to be imperfect. What do you think about what do you think about that? Is that possible? Because they could be the guides. I mean, I think some schools are already doing that inherent in their process and in, in kind of holistic admission, right? They're 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 building some of that in, right? They're building those kids in that are the kind of pillars of the community. They are the glue. They are the, you know. So I, I think that happens. I don't think we hear about them as much, right? Because that doesn't sell papers and doesn't, you know, but but I think um, a lot of colleges are doing that. And um, and and I, I would just say that's even more of a reason for students not to, to to be authentic and not to feel like they have to show up. I mean, that, I mean, that, I think that's part of the, the crisis is right, or especially around a mission is that students are thinking so much about kind of who they um, how they show up to be somebody that somebody else expects and not just be themselves and and let it grow from there. Yeah, I, I would just say like back to that idea of, you know, the things that determine admission would be supply and demand and then institutional mission. Who do you want to be as an institution? What are you trying to achieve? And, you know, I think that to your point, um, Brennan, every school gets to decide that. And there again, it means that it's not necessarily going to be fair um, I mean, here in Georgia Tech, I can tell you, like, we're teaching three times more pre-calculus sections than we taught pre-pandemic, meaning that there are plenty of kids who are already in Calc 2 and linear algebra in high school that don't get admitted. And then we're actually taking some students who are, quote, less prepared or less advanced in math. That's about mission. Uh, and that's about what we're trying to create here as an, as an institution. And, and we're not an anomaly by any means. Um, so it's, a, it's an interesting thought about like, that's what shaping a class means. It, it, that's what uh, holistic admission should bring is that it's not just one size fits all and everybody's the same, that you put two people from very different backgrounds with different aspirations and interests in the same room. And that makes a great educational, uh, you know, environment. 
I love to hear that from you because, you know, I have such a different perspective because I'm not on a campus and I'm not in a, a high school. And, you know, I'm kind of this observer from 10,000 feet who could be a big shot and and uh, armchair quarterback admissions. But, but what I see as I go through this, I see the kids who are like, you know, who dealt with emotional challenges and setbacks, whose grades don't reflect their intellectual abilities. And I'm like, these are the all-stars. Because then I, I talked to the kids, like I was I was sitting next to um, some guy who, who goes to the University of Chicago. He's doing like some, I don't, he, he's doing something so fancy I can't even remember. So, somewhere smashing, it's not Adam, it's Adam I'm, I sound like a moron. But he's like, he's doing something so intense. And he talked about, he went to, I asked him, I said, like, how do, how do you think being imperfect works? Like, do you have room to be imperfect? Like, can you be flawed? Like, how much room do you have to make mistakes? Mm -hmm. And to go to a place, because he went to Yale, then he went to University of Chicago. And, you know, we know so many of the students struggle at these, at these super selective schools emotionally. Like, you know, there's data that, that backs that up. And it was, and you know, he found it very interesting, someone who was very intellectual that, you know, that part of us, we don't have a lot of time to nurture. So I think that one of the outcomes that I would hope someone listening to this would take away is if your kid struggles and they learn how to get better, that is something that's going to stick with them their whole life. And if it means they don't get into a certain school, it means they can get into another school and be unbelievably exceptional and live an exceptional life. Right. Like like that's not the end. And I think that's where a lot of parents struggle. I don't know if you if Rick, how you feel about that in your own life, in your own kids struggles. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, my son right now is like I said, he's in ninth grade. He's taking algebra one. He's in like an advanced algebra one class. And I mean, you know, right off the gates, he's he's failing. Right. Not not doing well. And he has been going in two days a week to meet with this teacher. And like literally this morning. I got an email from her saying he made a 95 on this recent test and she high-fived him when he came in. I mean, he has been working for it, right? And he's not going to make an A in that class. Like he'll be lucky to make a C in that class, which is absolutely fine with me because look, I'm not worried at all about that kid in life. He's going to have tons of opportunities. He's a great kid. He's a good person. He's a fine student in general. He's doing fine in his other classes. But what he's learning about being proactive, about having to put in the work, about trying to juggle, you know, playing football and doing well in math, like this is life. This is what we all do. Um, and so I think that that's, that's a big part of it. I, I just keep coming back though to a little of what we've already talked about is for parents, I think, and, and a lot of what you said earlier about problems and breaking it down by percentage, it's like, it is about identity and it is about acceptance. And one of the biggest gifts we can give our kids is for them to know that who they are, how they were made, how they were created, and who they are to us is not determined or differential based on what they achieve, where they go, and any of these kind of things. Like our goal is to give them choices and options to empower them and to ensure that they are like confident. And I think doing that is is way more reflective of your quote success as a parent than the fact that your kid goes to Yale or something. Brendan, how how have you process this and and you know your kids and I don't want to you know your your families are your families and I don't want to push in any of those any of those boundaries 
but you know your your kids have had a, a you know wonderful trajectory or at least you know successful trajectory but in terms of like being having room to struggle and your you being in their corner you know what's been your parenting style when it comes to helping them with all those other aspects outside the classroom yeah i've just been there to walk with them right like just kind of like walk next to them and support them and um and and um they've really you know i've resisted it's hard right but i've resisted the the um kind of knee-jerk reflection to step in and and try to solve right and and have just really kind of said i mean it's the same thing with our college search i mean because i know enough to be dangerous i've really been hands off and 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 because of that they took the lead and and did it like if you know I think college is the right choice for them. Just that's that's my opinion. But but that was a decision they needed to make, and and where they looked and how they did it um, was going to be up to them to to decide. And so and but and and it's been cool to see them step up to the to the challenge. I mean, even with their essays and things like that, I didn't I didn't say you know I need to look at your essay and show me your essay. But you know, at, at one point they were like, you know. Both of them, both of my kids were like, "Dad, can you look at my essay? <laughs> like, are you going to look at it or what?" And and so you know, like, I, I think when we I think when we step back and we we don't step in, um, it, it's amazing to see how our kids rise to the challenge. And if they don't rise to the challenge, they will. But 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 we can't we can't for you can lead a horse to water. You can't force it. Yeah, I think the expectations. I've been focusing a lot on expectations. I do a lot of um, one-on-one coaching, and I'll talk to parents as well. And what's interesting is to talk to parents who have certain expectations and unmet expectations equal problems. If a parent has expectations and the kid doesn't meet them, there's a problem. But if the kid has expectations and those aren't the same expectations as the parents, then there are always going to be problems because there has to be similar expectations. So I think that idea of what does your kid want and what are the expectations, even this idea of applying, how would you respond to a parent who says, Brennan, Rick, I have a kid who is not completing their application. I've surrendered, I've given it to them, but they're just not moving. What should I do? What are your answers? Brian, it sounds like your wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I, I think it's, um, you know, asking, asking the student what they, um, like what they want for themselves moving forward, right? And and maybe maybe if for, for that student, maybe college isn't the right step right away. I mean, it's a huge investment, right? And and if they if they can't get off the ground to do some of the the base level things, like then th- there's not going to be a successful college experience, right? Um, and and you can provide kind of support for them around executive functioning and things like that, and and maybe that's helpful. But um, I, I think, again, I, th- I don't think you can force the, 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 the way forward. I think you need to, um, to empower them and, and when time is right, the time is right. Yeah, well, I'm glad you said it because I've shared similar answers and I think that getting it from another person is really important that if your kid's not, like I tell my, I tell my kid, I'm like, if you're not going to do it, then how are you going to do your work? Like, how are you going to oh, yeah. take care of the things you need to? Because I'm not going to be there for you. I got enough to do. 
And if you're going to college and wherever you go, like you got to be able to do it. And of course you have those other supports, but I think that expectation of my kid's going to go to college, they're going to graduate, go to college. It's like, I think as parents and as students, there's this question of like, maybe you need a break. Right. And what was it? Was it Anne Lamont who said expectations are resentments waiting to happen? Oh, that's beautiful. I love right? it. Yeah. I mean, I, or resent or I've also heard it, expectations are, are like resentment and training or something like that. But so, you know, I think um, it, it's good to have expectation. Right. And right. good to be honest about your expectation and good to have. I mean, we talk a lot in the book about kind of having honest conversations. Oh, there it is having honest conversations early on about what some of the expectations and conditions and 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 pieces like that are in in the search but um you know also talking about like whose expectations are going to drive this right and what those expectations are and and having and what's driving those like what hopes and fears are driving those expectations i mean circling back to where we started of this is an opportunity um, you know, one of the things I most hope for, for parents and families supporting adults, as well as students, is to be honest, to, to really listen, um, you know, and to be willing to do what, you know, good college students do. And that is they do their research and they do their homework and they're open to uh, testing assumptions and they're open to things not going exactly the way that they think they might. And the only way that happens is by keeping an open mind, listening, asking good questions, being curious. Like a good high school student who does those things, both at school and with their family, will become a good college applicant, will become a good college student. Like that is a direct line through. And I think one of the things that, you know, is really so important for um, you know parents, I think, in particular to hear and to know is that and your job's not done when that kid arrives as a freshman in college. Like you're looking for a relationship that's going to last 40 years, not four years. And the things you do, the breadcrumbs you put out, they matter. And and so like it's not just about like let's complete this, this quote get through this and get you to college. And now I've done my job. And we're good and everything's going to be fine. No, you could break some stuff along the way. So let's make sure we don't break things. Let's, in fact, make things uh, more solid so that our relationship wherever you go is more solid so that your relationship when you graduate college is more solid. I mean, that that just makes so much more sense than I can say my kid goes to the number three ranked school in the country or whatever it might be. Yeah. That's just stupid. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't have it doesn't mean anything like I don't get him. I don't get impressed by any of this. I'm sure you don't either. When students go to certain schools and it's like they're going to that school and they're going to have an experience. And we know through Frank Bruni's book, where you go is not who you are. And we know through, um, I don't know if you've read Jennifer Wallace's book, uh, Never Enough. Never Enough. Yeah. I'm reading it. She was on, yeah. I don't know if she was on your podcast, but um, she's going to be next um, month. Yeah. She's, I, I can't recommend that book enough. I, I listen to audiobooks because I struggle reading. It's a weird thing I have. It's my, my ADHD. Me too. And she narrates it and does you do too, Brendan? I, I yeah, I, I'm not a reader. I, I I listen. Oh my gosh, I love to hear that. Cause you're like so you're like so bright and you know I used to be ashamed that I couldn't read. Yeah, uh, me too. Me too. I yeah. Oh, I didn't know you had I, that. No, I couldn't I I couldn't I can't remember half the books I read uh in high school or anything. Yeah. That's nuts, man, because 
like honestly, I look at you as being so damn like smart and accomplished and you know, like you're you're phenomenal in what you do and just an expert and 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 um man, I felt I just talked to my uncle as a psychologist. I'm like, you know, I say I read a book, but I listened to it. Is that okay? And he's like <laughs> only Right. right. I should have talked about right. the here. Are we retaining information and growing and learning? You're good. Right. right. Again, it's it's about perception, right? I mean, it's just what we're yeah. talking about here, right? Like it's 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 about how we're perceived from the outside. And yeah. and yeah. That's wild. Um okay. So I, I I have just a couple more minutes because everybody has hard stops today and we can always do another another one of these because I mean we, we didn't even get into the the nuts and bolts of the truth about college admission. But the reason that I didn't want to get into the nuts and bolts is because it's it's pretty straightforward. This book is phenomenal. You walk people through the process from you know having that conversation. I think it's really important for people to know where this book comes from, and this mm-hmm. conversation really sets it up because you know the the first the the first question is do you want to go to college? You know, and that's that's the first question I think a lot of parents, especially from high achieving communities, don't always ask when it comes to our first generation. Uh, under under resourced communities, it's that question of do you want to go to college is almost like a ridiculous question because you know I, can't, I could go. So it's really interesting to right. see. But that's where it starts with the with the wants, and then this idea that here's the guide, the truth about college admissions that can really walk you through this. So I really encourage everybody to check this out. I want to just do like a speed round of just some like more more um, um, technical questions that I get and and we can do, maybe we'll do a speed round with, with some questions from parents because I get so many, I can't answer them all. Mm-hmm. Um, Rick, I really want to know, and Brendan, you've seen this too, test optional, it seems like smoke and mirrors. Is it really going to not impact me, Rick? If I, if I, I, I oh, I'll give you the, I'll give you the profile. A student who was like, you know, 4.0 student, um, they're, they're, SAT was like a twelve sixty. The average for admissions was like thirteen fifty or something, and and I told the mom I said it doesn't doesn't matter. Don't if it's not going to help, don't turn it in because the GPA is more important. Is that true or not yeah. true? It's true. In that case, true. If that, if, if, you know. if they're saying yeah, if they're saying they're optional, then they're saying they're going to place value in other places. The application if you don't send test scores. And you and you've had so many, and also, how many admissions directors have you had on your on your podcast and and on your different programs? Like a hundred, me? To, uh, yeah, like two hundred on with College Guidance Network. I mean, we've had like two hundred and fifty experts on over time, and it's the same answer, right? Same answer. Hey, when it comes to having all those experts, you know, there are like a handful of questions that people ask every time. Can you just like reel off the end? Like, just give me like you could do your own rapid fire. The two of you. Just to like give me like a laundry list of like the, the the questions that you get again and again and again that we could just not get again and again if you can just like answer them. Are you up for that challenge real quickly, Brendan? Sure. Sure, sure. And Brick can I mean so optional is is means optional. Um academics are the most important, right? Like what what you do how what the courses you choose and how you do in those courses and how you challenge yourself are 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 the most important because they want to know that you can be successful on their campus. Um, it's not about a laundry list of activities. It's about uh, investment in the things you choose to do. Um, authenticity matters. Don't try to be something you're not. Um, you know, don't obsess about the essay. Put your best foot forward. But there's 
Um, you know, you're, you're there to tell your story, not to um, tell them what the, they you think they want to hear. Um, what else, Rick? What else do we hear? Uh, if you if you apply to you know ten schools that all have a five percent admission rate, it doesn't give you a fifty percent uh, chance of getting into any one of them. Uh, you know, back to what Brennan said, very specific question: like, is it better for me to take an AP class or a dual enrollment class, or is it better mm. for me to take a AP class and make an A, or a general level class and make a B? Um, and this is the answer to almost every question. We could just answer it this way and hang up, which is it depends. Uh, it really depends on, you know, the class that you're talking about, right? There's, yeah, there you go. Uh, the class that you're talking about, like the school that you're applying to, I mean, you know, that so much of course choice, which does absolutely matter, course performance that really does matter, um, is going to be read very in a very holistic way. It's going to be read differently by one school to the next. And so, you know, quit answering or quit asking that question for what you think colleges want to see. Answer that question was what's best for you and what you're trying to ultimately achieve. Right. Uh, right. Does early does early decision or does applying early matter? Unfortunately, yes. At most schools, um, it will. But but does that mean you should do it? Not necessarily, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like just gaming the system doesn't get doesn't necessarily get you anywhere. But if if there's two two or three schools that you know you'd be excited about and they're selective, would it doesn't make it sense to apply early? Maybe. So what about this? This is one of the ultimate hacks that I recommend is for families who um who oh let me just ask you this. There's two things. So I know I'm getting I'm getting anxious about time. Um, do you think? If someone can't get any financial aid and they're paying full sticker price, $350,000, whatever that total is, do you think that is, if they, and, they, and they don't have $350,000 to write a check out uh, over the course of four years, do you feel like that is a worthwhile investment? Is, is, there, is there a good return on your investment if you're financing that education? I think that- You're you talking value of college, basically? I'm talking is, it too, is, is 300 and. $50,000 too much to spend for an undergraduate degree if you don't have that money. You know, I, one of the things we talk about in the book that I think is just so important is to have very real, early, and honest conversations about money. Not just what you can pay for, what you're willing to pay for, but like loans. How does your family view loans? And what do loans really mean? Most 17-year-olds have no idea about most of that. And largely, if you're going to come, if we're talking about coming out with six figures in in debt if that's really what we're talking about then you better be darn sure that there's a, a you know historical payoff for that like okay you take a georgia tech student who is a computer science major who walks out of here with a hundred thousand dollars that's rare but it could happen um and they're starting out making one hundred ten thousand dollars with a trajectory that's you know pretty steep and quick maybe i think would be the answer but it, it is going to vary between one student, one family, and the next about debt tolerance or whatever. But I guarantee you the kid who can come here and get into our CS program and walk out with 100000 can get into many other places that will throw money at them and have just as many opportunities at places like Google and Microsoft and NCR and you name the rest. Um, and so I think in that regard, you have to have a very real conversation about why we're making this decision. And then the, the hack of a student who gets into a super selective, they fall into that donut hole, 
where they don't get any financial aid. And then they have a state school where there's an honors program that wants to give them a full ride or a ton of assistance, exactly what you said, Rick. Um, if you could see Brennan's face, if those of you who are listening, Brennan's got a face like, Brennan, what's the decision? It's a, it's a, it's a no-brainer, right? Right? Like, save that money for grad school. Save the money for grad school. I'm going to leave it. I can't agree with you more. I think it's such a great hack. I'm also a big fan of community college and transferring and using those programs, working at a, at a business that's related to something you think you might enjoy, and then using that as a way to then transfer in. Um, oh, gosh, there's too many questions, Rick. I got more. Okay. So here's what I want to do. I want to leave this with what are some of the resources? What are resources that you could recommend if people want to learn more about the truth about college admissions? Uh, and want to gain more insight. Uh, Rick, I'll ask you, Rick, then Brennan. Rick, what are some additional resources you recommend? How can people follow you? Right. So uh, we do have a website, uh, which is just truthaboutcollegeadmission.com. Uh, and you can go there uh, to get podcasts, to get information on the books. We have a lot of free resources that we're constantly adding to. So we hope people will take advantage of that. Uh, in terms of me on... Uh, Twitter, which I'm still calling it, uh, it is at Clark, the number two college. And that's an easy way to follow me. Georgia Tech also writes a blog, which largely is me, but sometimes other people, and they can get that from the admissions site at Georgia Tech. Great. Yeah, you, you got Yeah, you have to follow Rick's blog. I mean, it's, it's great. And 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 he, he posts pretty frequently. And so that's great. Great one. Um, yeah. And our podcasts um, be, you know, tune into our podcast. Um, we have great conversations with really um, we'll get you on soon, Harlan, and um, and um, and then the website, and then I'm on I'm on Twitter, and I uh, write occasionally for Forbes as well. So um, so you can find me there. And the College Guidance Network, right? And the College Guidance Network, absolutely. Yep, we have tons of free programming. Um, we this I don't know when this is coming out, but this um, we we have a something called Deadline Hotline this Sunday which is um, uh, a free call-in where you can get last-minute help on your applications from college admission leaders from Penn and uh, Ohio State and University of Vermont and other places. So uh, that's awesome. You guys are great. You do you do so much wonderful work. You help so many people. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that we had the chance to visit because we're very much aligned and I think mission-oriented. Um, and we just want to help. So anyway, I know everybody has a, a, a lot to do. You're you're working and helping and doing your thing. So thank you so much for being here. I'm grateful we had this chance and uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Everybody get The Truth About College Admissions by Brennan, Bernard, and Rick Clark. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Alan. Thank you. Be well. Thanks.